Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Akil Henry, who is a U.S. Gold Certified and Juno Award-nominated music producer, audio engineer, and musical prodigy. He's worked with artists like designer Sean Mendez, Ty Dolla Sign, Jeremiah, Trey Songs, Tony Braxton, Sway Lee, and Daniel Caesar. He's got lots of projects coming up, too. So we're talking about all of that. We're talking about how he continues making music. He started making music when he was five years old, playing drums and piano, kept it going, turned it into a fantastic career. We're talking about his creative process. When making music, how he kept that creativity up during the pandemic, including a harrowing experience, well, almost, with, with Mother Nature. And Akil is a big basketball fan, just like I am. So, of course, we've got to chat about our favorite basketball moments, including some of the magical memories from the Toronto Raptors, which is Akil's favorite team. He's also got lots of good tips for aspiring artists and producers, so if you have any interest in getting in the music industry, or taking your music industry career to new heights, because I know a lot of you are musicians, definitely tune in, because there's lots of good stuff here. And if you'd like to get in touch with Good People Cool Things, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can also send an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com, and we'll have lots of good time to chat. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Akil Henry. For people who don't know who you are. Can you give us your elevator pitch, but can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on? Well, I'm a music producer, um, musician, audio engineer. Um, I try to do all the jobs music. Um, um, I also play live for different artists, but um, I've worked with artists such as Trey Songs, Tony Braxton, Ty Dolla Sign, Kid Ink, Sway Lee, um, to name a few. Um, and as an engineer, I've recorded artists like Mary J. Blige. I've, um, um, as a keys player, I've played for, I played with Sean Mendez, I've played with Daniel Caesar, and um, the list kind of goes on. So that's my kind of pitch, I guess. Lovely. And what kind of elevator are we on? Well, that's such a tough question. I don't even <laughs> want to answer that properly. <laughs> um, uh, we're on a very fast moving vibe switching elevator i don't know <laughs> the music changes every few minutes i like that i like that so i doing you know doing my research beforehand you you started playing music when you were five by playing drums keys and bass is that correct or was it even earlier than that it was around uh five um when i started playing um piano and drums piano okay. became the main um drums i would just kind of frequent my brother became like more of the drummer um uh, bass started at nine okay so still very early for all of this, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the first song you heard where you're like, okay, I need to be, I need to be making music? <laughs> Terrible. I have a very bad answer for this, but I was, um, I was a cocky little kid, and I was actually in piano class um, learning piano, and I'm like, I hated the songs that they had me playing, so I'm like, I can make something a lot better than this. Um, so that's what actually inspired. It wasn't listening to a song. It was more like I can make a better song than the stuff that they had me playing. <laughs> okay. So you take us back in, back in your five and your, did you say like, I want to go take lessons? Did you make your parents get you a piano or a keyboard or something? How did that work? So my father's a pastor, um, uh, of a small church in Toronto. So, um, I, I just kind of had to, 
not not like I was forced, but I was I just kind of had to play the piano. Um, it was kind of the thing that most preachers' kids end up doing, picking up an instrument or or something. Um, so I, that that was the thing. They put me in piano lessons around that age when I started showing some interest. Um, honestly, the the lessons were more classical, and I I ended up like unlearning a lot of that stuff and uh, <laughs> going more of a jazz way later on. But um, but yeah, that's kind of where it started. Was it hard to unlearn, or did that kind of come naturally? Because you were like, I'd rather play this jazz style. The jazzier style kind of came natural because of church. Um, there are a lot of similarities in the church chords and the jazzier chords. So um, I had a bit of it already, um, but um, some of like just the positioning of my, or I guess, I guess like the properness, um, maybe I still should have that, but that I was playing in, <laughs> in classical music, I kind of um, like changed my form on the piano and stuff like that. And it wasn't the hardest. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I always think it's interesting if you've, learned one way like how easy it is to to switch because for some people it's quite the challenge and then for others they're like nah piece of cake i feel like when you're younger everything is easier for some reason <laughs> um uh because you just pick up on something new so so much faster but yeah i feel like if i was going to change my style now i would have a very hard time <laughs> for the production side of things then were you recording yourself while you were playing growing up or did that not come until a little bit later the production, um, that story I told you about when I'm like, I can make better songs than this, that was me at, at nine years old. Okay. So that's when I kind of started <laughs> um, producing. I was, I just wanted to be very clear. I was very wrong about that because the songs <laughs> I was making back then were terrible. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was, uh, it was nine years old and I kind of started and I made my, my first beat. My brother got FL Studio for me on the computer and that's a program that I kind of started with. Nice. Do you, uh, do those still exist somewhere? those early beats those somewhere on a computer there's a computer actually in my parents house um that i'm sure still has it but i don't know if that can even power on it hasn't been turned on in probably like um 10 years <laughs> that computer so maybe maybe they've been lost to the either out there those early days of playing music and and you think like oh this sounds great and then as you get older you're like oh wait no no i did not know what i was doing back then <laughs> every every year or two I look back and I feel like I've grown so much and I feel like if you're not if you don't feel that way then you're not really growing um at all so yeah like um but the stuff I was making back then was definitely um everybody can agree that it was horrible <laughs> there's a consensus across the board <laughs> yes yes we can we can all we can all we can all agree 100 <laughs> percent so when you are in your producer audio engineer role, how, how does that process kind of work? Do you start with a beat? Does, does an artist come to you and say like, hey, I've got kind of an idea for this, and then you kind of take it from there? What does that look like? Um, it really depends on the artist. If I'm, um, and, and who brought me in the room. Um, if, uh, if it's somebody that wants me to do their entire project, it kind of starts with me trying to figure out the sound that they're looking to go towards. Um, and, uh, and I'll, I'll ask for examples. So we'll like sit down and make a playlist, um, on Spotify or whatever. And, um, they'll start to, uh, kind of like get, we'll start to get the vision kind of played out and then we'll just kind of start creating. And, um, I'll sometimes start with drums with a groove. Sometimes I'll start with music, but we'll just kind of just start making songs and trying different ways of creating, working with di different co-producers, different writers, just getting a 
kind of just like figuring out what the sound is going to be. And once that sound is kind of figured out, we just lock in uh, me and the artist and just uh, and like finish the rest of the, the project. And do you have a favorite story from a time where that happened? I've got to plug the artist that I'm developing right now yeah. <laughs> and then bring her. So this is, so there's an artist named Looney. She, she actually just dropped her um, EP soft thing today. That's exactly how that process went. Uh, we, it actually happened during uh, the quarantine period. So we actually rented a house together so we could not break any rules and just live together for months making that project. And, and from everything I mentioned to, from the trying to find the sound to finding it to just creating with it and just constantly creating. Looney, soft thing, go check it out. You don't have to name any names for this. And this could also be your your answer for yourself if you want, but you're working so closely with these people. Are there any quirks or like pet peeves that you've noticed from them <laughs> where it's like, oh, that like that's something you do regularly? I don't know. I, I feel like I do my best to work um, with an artist based on their working style. There are not many. Um, I guess the things that bother me, I guess my biggest pet peeve is I, I've worked with a lot of artists that um, the artists that seem to have the least talent generally have the most amount of confidence. Mm. And that's what I don't love. Um, <laughs> but I haven't really been doing those sessions recently at all. I've been in really great rooms with all talented people. Uh, but I, that's one thing I have noticed that really definitely does bother me when somebody with this is just not not the greatest is 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 uh, the most confident person in the room and and believes their stuff is the greatest. So that that stuff bothers me a little bit. But um, in terms of the workflow of things, like I, I generally don't have any real issues. Nice, nice. That's good. Yeah, the irrational confidence uh, exists across across industries i think and it's always <laughs> yeah always fun to yeah, say I can imagine. <laughs> but i think that segues nicely i always like asking this of musicians tell us about the worst gig you've ever played oh man there have been so many <laughs> um i'm trying to not get in trouble so i don't want to name <laughs> names and i don't want to give any specifics um yeah don't get yourself in trouble if you can keep it vague if not we can move on <laughs> i've i've played in um so many churches and there's been a lot of churches that i've been to where there there's just a lot of problems with either the sound or, or the singers aren't the greatest or whatever the case is so i i'd have to put um my best and worst uh, performances <laughs> at churches to be honest this is a super specific question based on my church experience um, growing up in my, my hometown of where the uh, organist is like way in the back and the singer is way in the front. And there's just naturally with that huge distance, there's kind of a disconnect in terms of, of uh, just the sound waves. And so often the singer was maybe like a half step behind. Is that common or is that, was this just a, a poor communication? <laughs> I set up in my church a, a monitoring system. So all the musicians have headphones on um, and the singers have their own, their own speakers with their own mix of their vocals mm. um, on stage beside them. So we're all hearing everything at the same time. Uh, and like, yeah, and the musicians are communicating through, like I have a microphone that only the musicians hear. So we're fully communicating the whole service. And so like my, my church setup is pretty nice where it's, it's all, it's all um, every communication is, is not an issue there. <laughs> but I've been at places where it was like that. Yeah, those are the least fun 
things. <laughs> that, those are the worst, honestly. <laughs> Sorry to your church. No, no. I just I'm I appreciate the validation that <laughs> that it's it's not an enjoyable. Um, and I'm I feel for them because I'm like I've I've had occasions like that too where it's like there's something off with the sound and you're. I mean, I assume they know it, but maybe they don't. Maybe they. They think maybe they've got that confidence. They probably do, and they're just they're just soldiering through it. I've soldiered through a bunch of things. <laughs> probably just soldiering through. It's all they can do. Yes, yes. <laughs> and of course, over the past year with the pandemic, live shows have basically been non-existent. I love seeing some of these quarantine sessions that musicians have done. I think Erica Badu is still one of my favorites with her bedroom sessions, where it was like a choose-your-own-adventure where she'd play in her house. She's like, I'm in my bedroom. Where am I going next? Kitchen, living room? Like, you tell me. And I, I thought that was a very creative way to to kind of engage with fans. So my question for you is, during the pandemic, have you still, has it kind of still been business as usual as far as working on music and working together with artists? Or is it uh, like very remote and you're just kind of doing it all from home? What's it been like? Okay, so I couldn't do the uh, the the online session stuff i'm i really feed off the energy of of um everybody else in the room uh so i as i mentioned with the loony stuff and in quarantine we rented a house for a while and we just worked on her project for a few months um then i i left that house and then got another place for another two or so months or three months with with another artist lisa and i did it with another artist that i'm kind of working with so I, i was in person with um with artists the like the whole quarantine I, I was i kind of just like would rent a house two three months at a time and then move and do it again and then do it again until because I, I thought it'd be over after the first one but it just kept on getting longer and longer <laughs> so um, i just kept on doing it so my my quarantine experience wasn't the same as most producers um uh a lot of them were just doing online sessions the entire time but i just i after the first three weeks i, I knew i couldn't do that yeah, it was it was uh, definitely like a this should be over sooner than it is feeling for a, a good at least the, I'd say the first few months, if not longer, where it's like, OK, surely the end is in sight. And then it was like, oh, no, this is this is going to last for a while. So when you're doing these rental house switcheroos, were you looking for something in particular for like when you were looking at these houses or was it just kind of whatever was available for a change of scenery to work with someone new? Well, we use Airbnb and we do their monthly rental thing. So yeah, there, there were a lot of options. People really, people weren't traveling a lot. So there were actually amazing offers for very cheap. It actually kind of worked out. Um, so we, we got, we just, we focused on making sure the house had a vibe um, and then making sure uh, that we could be loud. Didn't have any neighbors. We had to get a place kind of secluded. So it was, it was actually kind of fun because we lived like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, for most of these and it was just like it was just us and the music for we we didn't see anybody we knew we didn't like we just woke up created till we could till we couldn't stay awake and fell asleep and did the same thing like seven days a week did you see anything uh, unusual in any of these houses um one of the houses had me terrified because (laughs) um when we got in there there were a bunch of books on how to fight off a bear if you encounter a bear (laughs) so i literally um didn't leave that house until we left i stayed inside unless we like went to the car to get groceries like i i didn't st- step outside i was just nope i do not need to fight off a bear here at all <laughs> did you read the books at least i didn't read the books I didn't, i'm like i don't need these books i'm not <laughs> stepping outside 
So, yeah, man. Yeah, that's kind of an intimidating thing to see when you walk into a house. Bruh. And it was it was a beautiful place, but that was just like there were so many books on bears. I'm like, whoa, this is this is a thing here. Yeah, at least they're preparing you for it in, in the worst. But I think you made the right decision in not venturing out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, it was three of us in that house and none of us left um, unless it was groceries. And because of the COVID situation, we were trying to not go out as much. So we would, we would not leave the house. And, and this is the only time I've ever done this, like not stepped outside um, for like two weeks at a time because we try to buy at least two weeks of groceries. So and we literally never stepped outside. And that was super weird for me because I'm like, that, that, I've never done that before in my life. <laughs> With the groceries, do you have an indulgence like a, a creative you know is it like sour sour patch kids or something where you're like this gives me creative energy or are you just pretty much pretty much a good good nutritional diet um i wish i could say ate well but i don't think it necessarily <laughs> helps with my creativity it's just i'm i need more self-control with food honestly um <laughs> but i i do love sour candies those are my go-to for snacks um but i don't think they help creativity at all it's just, yeah. yeah. It's just nice to have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as far as the marketing side of things, because obviously live shows, like you're saying, feeding off the energy of people being in the same room as you and having that environment. And some artists kind of had to, you know, put album releases on hold, put tour plans on hold, all of that. With the artists that you've been working with and, and just yourself too in, in the music industry, how have you seen that kind of, shift in terms of marketing during the pandemic or has it has it already kind of been staying the same over the past year and a half well it depends some teams decided to hold off and not release any music so um so but uh, some people wanted to rush to release the most music because they know people were at home to listen to it um but everybody was definitely in a creative mode um and so everybody was working uh the, like i was sending out loops to different artists different producers because everybody was looking for things because everybody was just at home bored writing songs um so on that side that was that but on the marketing side um, i feel like social media really um was obviously already a thing but it just became even more of a thing and the artists who just who didn't really want to embrace that um now learn that they have to like you you need um you need a real social media presence um in today's day and age it feels like to have a real artist career so yeah so it, it just kind of it kind of just um uh shined a light on that and it was it's been great for the artists that i work with because that's where um i feel like some artists uh, uh, especially the the smaller artists that don't have as much budget to constantly be creating content um, they they now starting to see it as a um, as like a real important uh, part of the career, almost just as important as the music itself. Absolutely. And are there certain types of content that you found perform better? Depends on the artist. Depends on the artist and their fan base. Um, uh, some some artists people want to hear them sing because they're just their voices are so great. So you just got to do a bunch of live videos and that'll work. But some artists. Um, people want to hear you talk because you're entertaining when you talk. So it just depends on the artist. So I feel with T-Pain, I'm like, I could listen to this man talk. <laughs> I mean, he's a great singer too, but I love his rants. <laughs> oh yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yeah, there's some people that are just entertaining human beings. I, I, I would watch videos of 
I don't know, like Cardi B's very entertaining as a character. <laughs> um, so I'd love, I'd, I'd also, I love her rapping. So I'd love to hear her rap as well on, on, on Instagram, but I would also love to just hear her talk and be her. So, yeah. And you mentioned Instagram. Are there other platforms you'd recommend people being on any of these? Obviously, TikTok is is crazy big. Clubhouse was hot for like two minutes and probably already on the way out. But any any other platforms that you've either seen for yourself or or with some of the artists you've worked with that have worked well? Um, not really. I'm I'm terrible. I need to get better at this, but I'm only on Instagram. I never really ever use Twitter or TikTok. Um, but I can tell you how important they are because I've seen people's careers um, blow up off of the uh, off of those. So um, I just say to be on everything. When you if there's something new you hear about, don't wait for it to become popular. Um, just start posting on that too, because um, the, the pioneers of any social media platform really have a successful career. Look at Sean Mendez off of Vine. He he was one of the early early Viners, and uh, his he has a whole career off of that. So just just any any new thing you hear about, just jump into it, I'd say. Man, you got me nostalgic for Vine now. What a time. <laughs> well, we got some good we got Sean Mendez, we got Bozzy, I think, was on Vine. We got we got a few good artists from, from Vine. So I'm I'm sad. I mean, it it was it was a good era. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was ahead of its time and then <laughs> Yeah. Now there's it paved the way, paved the way for sure. Yeah. Good deal. I'm also not on TikTok, so don't feel too bad. We're <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> honestly there's a reason like i, I really want to get into because okay i have the app but when my friends send me um they'll send me like something over text and i'll and i'll open it and then i'll be on it for like an hour and i, I like I did, i'm just like i don't know how it got that i don't know how that time passed so now i'm just like i don't i really don't open the app unless somebody sends me something because i know that i'll just be on it wasting time yeah, it's. I I was reading something somewhat recently that I'm blanking on where it was from, but it was all about the TikTok algorithm and how it's designed to get you in those rabbit holes and just keep you for like an hour at a time. And it's like, yeah, I think it's the best one of them because from uh, like the first time somebody sent me something, I was on it for an hour. The first time <laughs> I used it, I'm like, how do they know everything about me already <laughs> to know that I love all of this content? So yeah, they're great. <laughs> But I, they're also dangerous because I don't like to waste too much time on my phone. So I, I don't spend, like, I, I'll barely be on TikTok, probably like one hour a month nowadays. Yeah, that seems that seems like a, a good, good self-control with that, at least, because I definitely know people who are on there a lot more. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, tip for Instagram for, for someone that's maybe starting out or wants to be better about using Instagram? Post. Don't stop posting. People think, for some reason, there's a there's a um, something out there that people think it's you. You get less. Um, the algorithm works against you if you post more. That's so incorrect. I've had like multiple artists tell me that, and it's the opposite. Like Instagram wants you to post, so like just post a lot of content. Um, don't focus on likes because if you focus on likes, not everything is going to get liked as much as the next. Um, but like post if you post a lot um and it's good content it will it will blow up because the algorithm will help you exactly i've heard that too of like post less yeah if you look all the top instagrammers that blew up off of instagram they post a lot if you look at like obviously there are some people who like you can't use like a uh, beyonce for example as the as an example of how to post on instagram why she got her followers <laughs> no she's already beyonce before but if you look at somebody that's blown up they all post 
quite quite often yeah and do it in like other in other capacities too like they're posting stories they're they're using reels they're using all the different all of them yeah because instagram definitely does care about um anything new that they bring on if you use that they push it like crazy yes yeah like what is it now the filters are like the the main one where it's like you can make your own filter and get in front of people that way too like yeah yeah the filters and i'm hearing we're still reels are like very big on the uh they'll push you really well if you're if you're putting reels up right now you know we're transitioning nicely from instagram into basketball because you are a basketball fan and i'm a basketball fan and so we'll have to talk some we'll have to talk some hoops have you been playing at all during the pandemic or have you has your game dropped a little bit my game has definitely dropped because i don't think i've played at all um I've or no, that's not true. I, I at at some points when um gyms opened up for three minutes, I <laughs> I played for those three minutes, but otherwise I haven't been playing. Um so but my shot never goes though. I'll never lose the shot. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was gonna ask, what do you have like an NBA comp? I'm really not that good at basketball when I'm playing. <laughs> so but because like shooting is my main one of my only things I can really do. Um, I'm going to say Steph Curry, even though I'm not even close, obviously, but yeah, I'm going to put it there. Love it. Do you have the mouth guard game too, where you're like, it's, it's hanging out of your mouth the whole time? No, actually, <laughs> I don't think I've ever played with a mouth guard. I don't think I have either. It looks, I'm sure it's great and very protective, but it just looks really uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I don't know that if that's for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I've got, I for me it's my defense will never go i can always give you a solid defensive effort even if the shot is not there and i played for the first time in over a year uh a week and a half ago i visited my sister out in la and basically got up at like 4 a.m for my flight and then a friend picked me up for a sunday morning pickup game and he was so i was already up for like six hours by the time i it was like 10 a.m already and i was like all right we're doing this we're gonna we're gonna and you still had defense still had the defense yeah i i used to be a great defensive player but i'm way too out of shape to put the effort in on defense <laughs> right now so i i could i i can play defense for the first 20 or 30 or not 30 probably the 10 to 20 minutes but after that i'm i'm lazy when i can be lazy as long as you're setting the bar at the beginning, you set a high bar with the defense and everyone's like, all right, he's good. He's good. Man. <laughs> it helps having long arms and big hands as well, though. I found Oh, I have <laughs> neither of those. <laughs> neither. So, yeah. All right. We are going to stick with basketball, but I have to jump back to because I like asking you a question what you wish you were asked more frequently. It's less work for me. I put I put the onus of this interview on you, at least for that question. But... Yours is what advice would you give to aspiring artists? And I feel like you got a little bit with that Instagram in there, but what other advice do you have for someone that's just getting into the music industry? Okay, so if you're a producer, try to collaborate with everybody you can. You get better by working with people who just have different skill sets and you you take that and you kind of add it to yours and change it, or make it adapt to um, within your workflow and like collaborate with everybody and that's when you collaborate with people that have relationships with bigger artists that's how you kind of get your foot in the door um, that's how i did it i was working with a producer named diesel and he was um he already had a bunch of big songs and i was uh um 
I was just playing piano for him uh, on these on these beats, and I was also a producer, but I was I was like his keys producer that he would work with, and then that's how I got my foot in the door. So collaborate like crazy for artists. I'd say find your team, find your sound, um, and a lot of artists I notice like don't invest in stuff on their own. Any artist that I'm working with, I I they have to learn how to record themselves. Um, because it's it comes in such it comes in handy so much when you can just like you have an idea literally recorded your own house a lot of people like just wait to go to the studio or save up to go to the studio like no you want to be creating every day like write write music every single day um don't be lazy about it it's like it doesn't take long necessarily to write a song and if it does it won't take long if you if you're writing every day you'll start to learn how to speed up with it um so yeah i would just say just yeah for artists just put the time in every day try to find your team and lock in with them when you get a, a nice sound love it love it well you're almost off the hook but we've got to do our top three and you being a toronto raptors fan first of all my condolences they did not make the playoffs this season i am a long-suffering chicago bulls fan so it doesn't matter <laughs> because we got a ring so i'm yes. okay <laughs> You're, I mean, you're good for like a decade until yeah. you can be like, all right, now now let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for the top three, we're going back Toronto Raptors history all, what is it, 26 years now? Is that what we got? 90, 95, right, is when they first, first started. So your top three Toronto Raptors of all time. Oh, see, the, the issue is I'm 26 years old. I missed the era like growing up i wasn't i was even i was more of a baseball guy than a basketball guy so the eras when i started um really watching the raptors are with chris bosh so i definitely got to choose that era because that's yeah. when i really got into to him to, to the to basketball and then um um then obviously i gotta say vince carter naturally naturally and then the team that won the championship right there that's the three Boom. But the championship team is, is on the top of the list because we won. So I've got yes. to put them at one. Yeah. Yeah, I did like I did like that team a lot. And I'm not I'm not even a Raptors fan. I was just like, this is a good group of guys. I like them. That was a great year for us, man. I, I was I lost my voice a lot when we um <laughs> in in those <laughs> playoffs. Did you get to make it to any of the games during the playoffs? I actually went to one of the games in uh I went to one of the Golden State games in Oakland. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so one of the final games because I needed to go. And I was actually in Los Angeles. So I'm like, I need to I need to get to one of these games. So I went there. Nice. And they won all of those, right? They won all the road ones, didn't they? Um, I, I won the one I was there. At. I can't remember. I think we won all of them. Yeah. I think so. Because I was, I was very surprised. I was like... Like pleasantly surprised, but I was just like, "Oh man!" I, I mean, we all know that if um, if Kevin Durant was healthy, if Clay was healthy, we're not winning that. But we're 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 happy nonetheless. Yeah, you can only you can only play the team that is on the floor against you. <laughs> Honestly, so and if Katie didn't, um, when Katie came back, we all lost a little bit of hope because he started killing us in the first few minutes, and when he got yeah. injured. Um, like, I mean, obviously we weren't happy he got injured, but it was definitely a, wow, we actually are going to win this thing feeling. Yeah. Like a collective sigh of relief. Like you're not cheering for it, but you're like, oh, he's not going to score 95 points this game. Like he was on pace for it. Yeah. He's so good. He's one of my favorite players right now. Oh man, so good. With his big ass feet. Like he was saying. 
<laughs> Man. Yeah, it's it's amazing just how he's come back from an Achilles injury to still be like the best player in the NBA. Never happened before like that. That's crazy. Like he's he's not human. He's not. He's not. He's very he's very entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Good deal. Well, Akil, if people want to learn more about you, hear some of the music that you've made, where can they find you? Go to my Instagram at akil.music. That's A-K-E-E-L dot music. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really use anything else. So that's kind of where everything is. Um, there is a playlist on Apple Music if you use Apple Music. Um, that they curated called Behind the Boards, Akil. So if you search that up, you can find a, a lot of my music there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was great. I hope you get some basketball in uh, in the coming months. Keep that shot smooth. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I, I, I'm planning to get back to Toronto in, uh, in the next couple of weeks, and I already have some games set up because people are talking a bit too much trash right now. <laughs> I hope you can you can silence them. Oh, I will. I, will, I, I definitely will. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. And of course, we got to wrap up with a corny joke, as we always do. What do you call musical dentures? What do you call musical dentures? Falsetto teeth. Get after it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep it. I'm going to use it. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. As always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. 